time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. What happens when you have a loss in your life that is so devastating that you're not sure how to go on? Well, today I have the pleasure of having a conversation with Nada Hogan, and Nada Hogan had just that happen. She was devastated when she unexpectedly lost her 18-year-old daughter, but through that loss, she learned firsthand that the power to change is only available within yourself, and it doesn't matter how unfair a circumstance is, it is solely your choice, according to Nada, of how you're going to respond. So through spiritual laws and principles, Nada teaches how to navigate through the pain and immobilization from the loss of a loved one and other life traumas to access your body's wisdom to go into the world boldly and live an audaciously succulent life, carrying with you cherished memories, but not being defined by your loss. Today, let's listen in as Nada and I talk about how to move through those losses. Nada, welcome to Thrivology. I'm so glad you're here, and I'm really excited to kind of get to know you and get to understand part of your process in helping people to uh, move through losses. But first, let's start with how you got here. What, what are the pieces in your own life that got you to this point, and what is it that you, um, you want to talk about, and, and, and how do you want to help people out today? Uh, well, thank you, Lee, and thank you for having me on your show. Um, the way I got here was by quite a tragedy. My 18-year-old daughter had been killed in a car accident um, coming on 11 years now. Mm-hmm. And that event, um, it it devastated me, completely shook me to my core, and I really, truly believed that that was going to be the end of me. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of marital issues that were not good. My my son, who was two years younger than my daughter, was not on a very good life path himself. And my father literally was, was in the process of dying while all of this happened. Wow. And yeah, it was it was um <laughs> it was a perfect storm for somebody really to be able to fall into the abyss and not come back. And it was astonishing to me because I was aware of that. I was very aware that I was walking a very fine line of this is my ticket out. I never have to show up to life again, right? Because I'm not happy in my marriage. My son's in a bad place. My daughter was just a great kid. You know, those kids that parents just wish they had, and that was her. Um, But something happened inside of me that I never had experienced, which was, I call a life force energy that just rose up in me that I I would say pushed me to take a step each day. And of course I was grieving. I was going through, you know, the whole process of trying to wrap my head around all of this, Mm. but there was something that said, don't quit, don't quit. And, um, it was just a matter of taking steps little steps every single day and, and allowing myself to, you know, be in a puddle on the floor and cry for hours on end if that's what I needed to do. And, um, but, but there was always this voice or feeling that said, okay, get up and take a step. And, and that's, I just kept doing that, not knowing what direction I was going to be going, but it felt better doing that than it did staying on the floor in a puddle. And, 
through that, I started studying um, universal principles or spiritual principles and really started tapping in to what I call our superpowers that are inside of us and really started shifting and changing my life and um, put myself through school doing acupuncture. And it was through the acupuncture that I started realizing that we all have a whole lot of bottled up issues or pains or hurts or losses, and they show up in the body. And all of the acupuncture in the world, in my experience, is not going to be the thing that turns that physical ailment around. We have to be able to connect with that pain that we blocked or memory that we wiped out to be able to process through that to get to the next level of our own becomingness. I'm just, I'm reflecting on the magnitude of the loss. I mean, we all have losses in life, but uh, most of us are not dealing with such um, a domino effect uh, and not just dominoes. I mean, they, they're all crushing in at the same time. It's not like one caused the other, but they're all crushing in. So you lose your, your daughter at 18, um, yeah. which, you know, that you know, all of us ha- with teenagers are, you know, have some anxiety about what's going to happen. So the nightmare of that, um, on top of the fact that your primary uh, relationship is in trouble, on, right. on top of the fact that you're already, it sounds like you were already dealing with some family issues um, with uh, with your son, um, and watching, you know, a primary relationship from prior um, as your father was dying, all of that is um, overwhelming. So, what happened? I mean, your your daughter is killed, and how did the the rest of that play out? Did your marriage did that end? No, no, actually, and it's so um, bizarre because really, statistically, we should not be together. Absolutely, right? And 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 this is my second marriage, so that even adds. So he's not the father of my two children, and mm-hmm. I I don't have any other children, and he doesn't have any children. So he raised them as if they were his own. Mm-hmm. But just that, and somehow, um, my husband's name is Dennis, and Dennis and I got closer and um, built a deeper, stronger relationship than we ever had in the um, twelve years prior to, to in our new marriage. Mm. And and my son, I mean, my son was so bad that literally, when the when the police knocked on the door at six a.m., I opened up the door and there was two policemen standing there, and I looked at the police car and it was a different city than what I live in. And I thought, well, at least he's getting tr- getting into trouble in a different town. Mm. And when they came inside, they just wanted to come in and sit down. And I kept asking them about where is my son? Just tell me where my son is at because I knew he was in jail. Um, and they just insisted on sitting down. And it wasn't until we were probably five minutes into conversation oh, wow. that I actually realized why they were asking me about my daughter because I noticed the one badge on one of the officers said chaplain. Mm. And I mean, t- it was so out of the blue that, I mean, I just, I could not wrap my head around it because they just kept redirecting off of my son back to my daughter. And so, and this is what I'm saying, Lee, because if anybody would have said to me, would you be okay after the loss of your daughter? And like I said, she's a really good kid. And my son now is wonderful. His life has turned around in such beautiful ways. But my daughter just didn't get into trouble. Mm -hmm. If you told her to be home at nine, she was home at nine or she would call you. And and she just was that kind of kid. So it's not even like it, it didn't even feel like me 
that was saying, and I call this my connection to God, that how God is always speaking to us and that there's something good that can come out of this thing that seems so tragic and horrible. And you just have to trust me. You did God speaking to me. You just have to trust me and you just have to take this step. And and really, that was just all I did. I, I didn't know anything else that I could do, even though I consciously thought, you know, taking my own life, this mm. that would be a good way to to be able to do this. And my son and I actually had a conversation about that. He he was in a super bad place one day. I was in a super bad place one day. And I said, oh, my God, I just wish I was dead. I wish I was gone and not Dara. And my son said, you've got to be kidding me because I want to be dead way more than you want to be dead. I mean, it was just this horrible mess mm. for everybody. It's like a competition to the bottom. No kidding. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it just seemed to me that I knew if I stayed focused on what would Dara want? My daughter's name is Dara. What would Dara want? Well, she wouldn't want to see me talking to my son about who's going to kill themselves. Mm. She wouldn't want to see me um, sitting on a couch and crying all day long. So what can I do today that would honor her? And that became a mantra with me. What did I do today that honored you? And and so I would do little things like I would put um, newspaper articles in the newspaper with pictures of her and some kind of positive saying. I would try to read everything. Um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross mm -hmm. was my go-to to be able to work with uh, death and dying and everything that people experience when you're on the other side of that. And it just seemed like each day became a little bit more manageable, not while I was going through it. When I look back, um, it, it just became a little bit more manageable to be able to get up. And the advice given to me from a friend who lost a niece said, and this stayed with me always, that every day it will feel a little less raw. And there was something about that that just was magic for my heart to know that this pain would not always feel like you were being drugged down a dirt road, completely naked, just having the life literally just pulled off of your whole entire body. Mm. As graphic as that sounds, I'm sorry, but that's the rawness. It's just, there's just not words to describe that pain. So obviously the, the turnaround wasn't, you know, overnight. Um, right. And, and yet I'm, um, at some point, your marriage turned around. At some point, your son kind of took a turn. Do you see that uh, part of the path was about that, that it somehow uh, maybe changed what was important, what was the focus? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll tell you, every time that there's something wonderful that happens, even today, anytime my son does something that's so fantastic and wonderful, and it's just like, woohoo, thank you, Dara. Mm. There's just, it always feels like she, that she just has her hand in all of this. And, it, and it's almost like she is the guiding force with so much of everything that has turned around and has been so good. And, and there are times that, that I would be hugging my husband and even now where he's hugging me and it's just an embrace. And still, you know, almost 11 years later, we still will cry and, and immediately something will make us laugh. Cause we just hear Dara saying, and you're like, Oh my God, are you guys doing this again? The mm -hmm. crying stuff. Come on. I'm busy. I got stuff to do when I have to come down here and make you guys feel better. And that, you know, so 
yeah, I hope I answered that question. Yeah, um, yeah. Lee, I, well, I, it's for a lot. For some people, you know, there's two things. Um, some people have losses and they lose hope. And then some people have losses, and, and everybody, I think, has a loss of hope in the beginning. But some people then have that as a – reframes what's important. You know, it, it brings you back to what really matters in life. And it sounds like you you traveled through the valley and came out, you know, kind of the, with the, okay, what, what's important here? You know, what's important? Honoring my daughter, um, you know, working through the other family issues, figuring out how to have a better – relationship with your husband and obviously you had no control over your son's actions but it sounds like the relationship with him also shifted yes and uh that there's a lot of reorientation that happened um you talked about the shift to uh the spiritual yes is that where you see where things turn for you the pivot point for you Absolutely. Without a question, because I, I, none of it made sense to me. And, and even when I was young, I always questioned what on earth is this all about? Because just being here, going to school, making a living and dying made no sense to me. Mm. So when this happened, it was why her, why her? She's such a good kid and such a bright light. And why did it, there's so many people that are bad why are you taking good ones god i would i would say and and it just became so mysterious that there had to be an answer that made a lot more sense and i just refused to let her her life and her death just be in vain that mm. there has to be something that comes out of this and i don't think that i i i just didn't go to church very often as a child or as an adult but I always had a belief that there was something bigger going on, and I just didn't know what it was. And it was that tragedy that allowed me to be reconnected with God or, or God having a bigger presence in my life. And I, and I say God and spirit and infinite intelligence. I use all kinds of names. Um, it, but there was just a, uh, a connection that I didn't feel before. And just what I would hear in my heart that... Um, you know, I was leaving the cemetery one time and and I'm just crying. I am this is probably four years out, and I'm just devastated. And I hear in my heart, not even death is strong enough to break the bond between mother and child. Mm -hmm. And I thought, where is that coming from? Because I'm not saying that. And I truly believe that that is my conversation with God, that i'm I'm asking the questions, you know, how am I going to do this? And I hear the answer that, you know, Death is, it's not separating you, just not on this plane. Mm -hmm. You're just not seeing her on this plane. So my whole idea about um, spirituality and my relationship with God absolutely saved me. If I did not rediscover that or get back in touch with that, I truly do not believe that I would have made it. I mean, I mean, whether my physical body would be here or not, I know mentally I would have checked out. Yeah, so many people um, get stuck in the fairness thing, the why her, you know, why me, why, yeah. why her, whatever it is, depending. I, I heard as a chaplain, I heard that, you know, on a daily basis, why, chaplain, why me, why do I have this? And the fairness thing is such a, a frozen place. And it sounds like the shift that you made was from why her to what now. Right. And that what now meant that there was something else something bigger than the loss. Yeah, well, and, and and I think it's the whole thing, just the whole idea of Chinese. Well, and here's the thing that's funny too, and these are those coincidental things. 
years before I was in the occupational therapy field. And then I stopped doing that to take care of my kids. They were spending too much time in daycare and I didn't like that. So I gave that up and took on mom jobs. And at the time of my daughter's accident, I was a behind the wheel driving instructor. And just a week before Dara's accident, she had said to me, when are you going to get a cool job again? <laughs> I said, well, I'm a driving instructor. That's a cool job. And she's like, no, that's not cool. OT, that was cool. Hmm. So I don't know if that was somewhere in the back of my mind. But when I went to acupuncture, because it was just a fluke how acupuncture popped into my head. I wasn't searching for anything. Acupuncture came to me. And when I when I signed up for acupuncture school, I could hear her say, that's a cool job. Mm, That's mm-hmm. something cool. So it was almost like I was guided to to acupuncture also. And and the whole uh, training and belief with um, traditional Chinese medicine it, is we are all part of nature. And everything that happens with us is everything that's happening with nature. And and that made sense to me, right? This whole this this whole life that we're living, it it it's all based around nature and and we are just part of nature. So there was that other spiritual connection for me that I didn't see at the time. It wasn't until I looked back that I was able to, to, you know, connect those dots also. So interestingly, you you talked about that, um, which you refer to as life force energy, that there was something that of that, that you just decided you had to rise up and to take the next step. Um, That was something you said earlier. And interestingly that the, I mean, acupuncture is all about life force energy. Yeah, absolutely. And finding the stuck places and releasing that um, just with needles. So, um, right. so part of what you're talking about um, in some ways is is figuring out how to get that life force unblocked. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Because in, and emotions want to get stuck in the body. So whether it's you know, the loss of a job or, you know, somebody said something mean to you and you're devastated by it or, you know, the loss of a child, whatever it happens to be, those emotions get stuck in the body because we're mind, body, spirit. Mm. And we can't just say, you know, well, um, there's a lady I'm working with right now who has stuff going on with her feet. And as we're, we're working, because I also do life coaching, and as we're talking and coaching through this, her feet are getting better. Now, after the needles, she feels better, but then she has to go home for a few days before I see her again. And she says, I just go to that place that we talk about and I can feel my feet feeling better. Mm. Well, what is that, right? That's that life force energy. So the needles are very good to tap into the nervous. I mean, they literally tap into your nervous system and start shifting and changing that chi, the energy that's moving through the body. But if our thinking is off and we're saying, well, this is never going to work or it only works when there's needles in or, you know, I I always have to go outside to heal myself. I don't have any way to heal myself. When I'm thinking with our, our thinking, we, we heal ourselves all the time or we make ourselves sicker. So yeah, that, that life force energy and being able to move those blocks, whether it's with needles or our thinking or meditation, works wonderfully and very precisely. So when you were working as a coach, obviously um, needles aren't necessary for <laughs> for those conversations. Tell me a little bit about the process that you go through. Um, you talk about a three step process. Tell me a little bit about that. Right. So the the three step process that I do is the acceptance. 
It's the acceptance of whatever it is that has happened. So, you know, a, a physical pain, an emotional pain, you know, whatever that happens to be. And it doesn't mean we have to like it mm. or be in agreement with it. But if those are the facts, those are the facts. And so we have to just have that acceptance of it. And then the second step is, what is the meaning you are going to give the event? So like if we took my daughter, for instance, I, I could have easily chosen, she was the best kid ever. Um, this never should have happened. You know, God is the worst, you know, and then the man that hit her, you know, you're a heathen, everything. What's the meaning I'm going to give that? Mm. And if we can give it a meaning from a perspective of what if there's something bigger going on here that I am just not currently aware of? What if that could be the meaning instead of going down the path of all of the pain? And I'm not saying put on rosy glasses and pretend everything is wonderful in your world. I'm not saying that. But I am saying we can choose a worst case perspective or hmm, what if I sh shift my perspective and look at it a little differently? So that's step number two. What meaning are you giving the event? And then number three, what step can I take? These are the circumstances. I'm giving it some kind of a meaning. And if I want to heal and be on a path of feeling better and getting my life you know, back on track as best as I can while I'm navigating this loss or whatever that happens to be, what is one step that I can take? And then taking that step. And, and when you do that, it, it just opens up another world and it really does begin to start healing your heartbreak. And you just start seeing the world a little bit differently and a little bit softer, kinder. So let's talk a little bit about these three steps, because I think that there's so much to these. Um, I've, um, a lot of my work has been around accepting what is, you know, that that's a, a big piece. And you mentioned Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Her yeah. first uh, point in the process is denial, you know, yeah. pretending it's not going on. A lot of times I think people confuse acceptance with resignation, with giving up, you know, yeah. um, with the end point. And it sounds like what you're doing is, is similar to what I've talked about is the beginning point. You know, until you accept what is, there's where do you go from there, right? And so talk a little bit more about how people uh, maybe argue uh, against acceptance, how, how they move against acceptance so that that's their first barrier, that's their first stuck point. How do they keep away from acceptance? Right. Yeah. So it, it can be, I mean, and you can apply this to anything, a, a, a loss, a death of a loved one, or even let's say somebody that has a physical injury. So I have a client who had a stroke and that's one of the things it's the, the, denial of, I am not going to get better. I'm just not going to get better. And I, I will resign myself to that. That's just all there is. And I'm saying, but there's proof that you can get better. There's mm -hmm. actual proof you can get better, but nope, that's, I'm done. That's it. I'm not going to take another step to even go to that place. And whether that is because it's, it, if I can't get to the next level that I want to get to, that's going to be so painful. That's going to feel like defeat. I might as well just stay defeated to begin with. Mm -hmm. And that is very hard to work with. Um, you know, and, and sometimes people will decide it doesn't feel very good to be in that place of of that denial and let's just stay here forever. And um, but I, I just like to try to open up new doors and, and show new ways to be able to look at. But what if but what if this could happen, this better thing? What if this could be a, what if this this 
piece here that isn't getting you to where you want? What if that can just be the step up to where you do want to be and you and like climbing a mountain, you get to see a new vista every time you go take one more step up the up the mountain, you see something a little bit different, a little bit more beautiful. Some of the, sometimes I've talked with people who have expressed that um, I'm trying to take away their hope. Mm. How do you see the interplay between acceptance and hope? Wow, that's a great question. Um, yeah, so the interplay between acceptance and hope. I'd say, you know, I don't, I guess I would look at it like this because I believe that if if you can accept what has happened and in that acceptance for me there is hope there is a way that that if i can believe that there is a higher power that th- things have meaning and if i can be in this place of of accepting what has happened maybe then there is hope that that there is something better that can come out of this situation that my hope doesn't have to be taken away. Maybe that accepting of it can actually give me hope that my life can be more than what I ever dreamed it possible to be. And I know that's what happened with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's how I would how I would do acceptance and hope. Yeah. I've, one of the ways I've expressed it to some people is, you know, if, if I decided I want to go on a trip, I better know where I'm starting from. <laughs> I can still decide that I want to go see the mountains or the beach or, you know, cross the country or whatever. That could be my hope, but I better know my beginning point. Otherwise, um, nothing else matters. You know, if I, um, a map doesn't matter until you know your starting point. And so for me, that's right. a piece of acceptance. And one of the things that I hear behind that though, that p- sometimes people struggle with, and I'd love to hear your thoughts is, um, you talked about the meaning of some event and some people, um, struggle with, does that mean that, you know, God put that on them, that they, um, uh, it was the accident or whatever was put upon them so that, because that, it meant something. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. And, and I hear that. Um, and I just don't agree with that. That's Mm -hmm. not, that's not my philosophy. Um, I don't believe that. So when people ask me that, I just, because I just, I, I think that we have a just and loving God and no, I, because people ask me that, mm-hmm. right? So, so why did God do this to you? And it's like, well, number one, I don't, she's my daughter. Yes, she's my daughter. I brought her into this world, but it was her journey. It's also her journey. And why did God do that to her? I don't know if God did that. I, you know, I, and that, Oh God, it will take, I'll never get off the, this <laughs> interview if we go down that rabbit hole. But yeah. And I do hear that. And I just, I don't believe that. I, I just like to take it, let, you know, here are the facts. This, what's ha- this is what has happened. This is what's befallen you. And did God do that to you? Mm, I don't know. I just don't, I don't think so. Not, not to be a, a cruel and cold God. No, I don't think so. But this is what we have. So what are we going to do with this? What what can we do with this event that we have in our life now, mm-hmm. whether we chose it or didn't choose it, what can we do with this that can continue you on your journey of something positive and wonderful to offer you, your family, your community, the world? It's, 
Yeah, that could be a really long conversation. Wow. Sorry, Lee. <laughs> no, no. That's because, I mean, we're at this point, we're talking about the meaning of the event, right? And some people yeah. say, well, okay, was this meant to be? Um, last week, I was at a um, an event and um, uh, a, a person was supposed to be in attendance and her plane got uh, stuck. You know, she, she didn't make it. She made it for the dinner after the event. <laughs> and so um, I was uh, driving back to the hotel and uh, giving her a ride. And she said, you know, I'm trying to figure out um, why this was, you know, wh- what the reason was for that. And I said, oh, I can tell you why. And she said, oh, good. I've been trying to figure that out all day. I said, the reason why was because the plane broke down. <laughs> you know, that's, right. the, that's the reason why. And I said, but now the question is, what do you do about it? You know, what, right. what are you now going to do going forward. And there's some still some things that might happen because of that, but that's putting meaning, that's finding a way to put meaning onto it, not assume that there's some meaning behind it happening to you. So it sounds like we're, we're kind of at the same place, that meaning is flexible, um, that part of that comes from what we choose to place in the meaning of it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and sometimes what happens when that plane breaks down and I'm not able to make it to that place that I'm supposed to be, something wonderful happens in that. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just like, oh my gosh, you can't believe it. I'm in the middle of writing this book and I ran across this publisher and this publisher has been looking for somebody who's write, who's been writing a book that's exactly what I've been writing about. And we're talking about setting up a contract. Those kinds of things, I believe, can lead to really wonderful events if we stay open to them and not making the meaning out of that, you know, my plane is down because of mechanical problems. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I'm not going to be there. Oh, I just hate this. What is happening? You know, why does this happen to me? All of that. There, there can be something wonderful that is happening while we're waiting for the new plane to come in. And and it never would have, you wouldn't have had that opportunity otherwise, or you wouldn't have been aware of that opportunity otherwise. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yep. That's great. Yeah. Because it, it's, and it's not that the meaning, it's not like we're making things up. Um, it's right. that we're looking for the places of the opportunities to take something that happens to us and allow it to have some bigger purpose. Absolutely. And yes. that, that bigger purpose is where the meaning kind of comes from. Right, right. Absolutely. Yes, yes. I am in total agreement. So then you get to this place where, because even if you say, okay, that happened, and yes, I can believe that maybe something down the road is going to be you know, good and positive out of this. I can't see it now. And then the, that third step seems like that might be a tough one for some people of what can I do? Right. And it can it can be the hardest step. So and and that's the thing. It, if if we can do the first two steps and and you know accept what's happening or has happened, give meaning to that in a way that feels a little bit softer and kinder to ourselves instead of oh my god this is the death of my daughter. My life is over. This is never going to be the same. All, you know, all of that. If we can stay in a place that feels a little softer with that meaning, then many times that step will come to you. Like I said, like acupuncture, I wasn't searching for the thing I was going to do to keep myself sane. I knew I needed to do something and I 
asked. And I do believe when we ask a question, those questions get answered if we're open to receiving that answer. And I I asked many times, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Mm. And when acupuncture dropped in, I hadn't even thought about acupuncture for well more than five years prior. And when acupuncture fell in, it was, oh, acupuncture. Yes, that sounds wonderful. So, so to take that one step, that action step, even if it means that first step is the simplest thing ever, which just means I'm just going to get out of bed, I'm going to make myself a cup of tea, and I'm going to go crawl back into bed. And that's where I'm going to stay the rest of the day. But I got out of bed and did something today that was different than doing nothing yesterday. Mm-hmm. And all of those little steps, I truly believe are just end up becoming bigger steps because you start with a little bit of momentum behind you and and things start because this body does not want to feel that pain forever you have to go through the grieving or whatever it is that you're grieving but this body does not want to be in that place of pain and subdued and limited and constricted it it just it it brews diseases it wants to be better, and it's always beckoning us. And I believe the life within us is always beckoning us to take that one step, to to come back here to life and know that there is something that is greater than the event that brought you to this place. Mm, that's great. Yeah. And, and so many times you, know, you, you phrased it as how would I honor how would I honor Dara? You know, how, what? What would she want me to do? And and we all have some place, whatever loss it is, maybe it's honoring the people who came before our parents or, you know, maybe it's honoring uh, what we stood for all along. But there's always something to ask the question now. What do I do to honor something bigger? Right. Right. Yeah. What I like about what you just said, though, is there's no guilt in the fact that sometimes it hurts enough that you. The, the little step is T, you know, it's the little step is I got out of bed for a little bit. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because I, I think if we don't recognize those little things that we do, we continue to say to ourselves, I haven't done anything. I'm never going to get over this. Mm. I cannot come to terms with this. And if we recognize the little things that we do, because right, even the teeniest, tiniest little baby steps will get you up Mount Everest if you continue to take the teeny tiny little baby steps mm. every single day. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 It's interesting how cumulative they are. You think, oh, I'm not doing anything, but you're slowly moving back into life. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I do believe that that the same exact DNA that is in all of the plants that that pulls the plant forward to grow each spring, or I guess I live in a winter state. So <laughs> each spring when you see everything just just flourishing and popping out of the ground, that same DNA that tells that plant, come on now and grow, is the same exact DNA that's in us. There's a there's a growth mechanism that is in us that you can't find. It's very much like trying to say, you know, where is consciousness in the mind, right? I mean, scientists have been looking at that forever. Mm-hmm. But it's that same pull for life, that that life is in us. And it's always pulling. It's always for the fuller, freer, more expanded version of us, even in the face of that circumstance that felt like it was going to take us out. That's great. 
Okay, so Nada, you, um, you, we're not just talking about this. You, you have some things to offer people. So, if somebody, if this is resonated, and let's be clear that nobody makes it through life without loss and grief. I mean, that's just an impossibility. And so, everybody has some loss. Some are more. Um, devastating, um, more painful. Some are uh, just bumps in the road, but we all deal with the grief of what do I do to pick myself up and go forward? And you've got some information on that. So talk a little bit about how people can get in contact. If there's something you've said that resonated somewhere in those three steps, they're going, yeah, I'm, I haven't even started on step one. What, what are the, some resources that you have to offer? Well, if you go to nadahogan.com slash epic life, there is a free video series that will walk you through three steps. And I also do coaching and I do personal one-on-one coaching and group coaching. And if you were interested in anything like that, all you would have to do is go to nadahogan.com and click the schedule now button. And it will take you to a scheduling page and you can just put in your information and we can schedule a time to sit down and talk. Okay, so let me just, Nada Hogan, N-A-D-A-H-O-G-A-N.com is the landing spot. If you're ready for coaching, it's right there. If you want the video series, then go to nadahogan.com slash epic life, and you will have access to that. Nada, so much, thank you so much for being here. This has been great. We all have those griefs, and you have given us a great example of how to find the meaning beyond that. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Lee. It's been a great pleasure for me. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Thrivology Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Thank you.